Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, and I invite you to stand in body and or spirit as you are able in honor of the reading of the gospel. Got a new Bible recently and still haven't gotten used to it. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. My brothers and sisters, And dear friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. Would you bow with me for a moment? Holy and gracious God, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. And blessed Lord, I pray that you would hide me at the foot of the cross. And Lord Jesus, you who are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you would increase and I would decrease. And we ask these things in your glorious and precious name. You who are and always were and always will be God, and you who sit on God's right hand in glory with God the Father, our Creator, and God, blessed Holy Spirit, one God, true God, our God, now and forever. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was eating lunch with a friend of mine in a crowded restaurant. It was lunch hour, the typical rush hour, and this restaurant is a popular local restaurant, and it's 
it was really crowded, and I happened to get a glimpse of someone I knew well, but someone that I hadn't seen in months, maybe even a year or so. And I remember saying to my friend, hmm, I wonder if she'll see me, and if she does, I wonder if she'll even know who I am. And my friend immediately responded, well, yes, of course, she'll know you. There's no mistaking you. Your hair is a giveaway. You can't hide. It's a dead giveaway. Yes, of course, she's going to recognize you. Well, y'all, I've got to confess that I've had a love-hate relationship, like many women, many girls. I've had a love-hate relationship with my hair throughout my life, and I spent the majority of my younger years hating it. I have tried on, I can't tell you how many occasions, to straighten it myself. And how many tears I have cried, how much uh, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, and great wrath that Scripture talks about over the awful, awful haircuts I've gotten in my life. Y'all, they have been really bad. And these were not haircuts that my brother or I did know. These were uh, done by so-called professionals. When I have been lucky enough, or by God's grace, to have found the rare person that can cut my hair, I have been willing to travel uh, really any reasonable distance, uh, up to an hour or more, and have been willing to splurge on a really, really good haircut. When Kevin and I moved to Madison uh, nearly two years ago now, one of the very first things I told Andy was that I knew I was going to have a lot of questions, a lot of questions about my new role as an associate pastor. Y'all, I came from Rankin County, small rural churches, and before that, Simpson County. I was coming to the big city into a big church. I was going to have a lot of questions, still do, uh, about my new role. But first things first, y'all, you know, for a girl preacher, that who does your wife's hair? Who cuts Holly's hair? It's funny, uh, some folks uh, mistake me for Holly. Uh, not so much now, but in the beginning, well, what's Andy's wife doing at the office? thought she worked somewhere else. Y'all, even my own son, uh, if you were here back in the summer when I had the privilege of baptizing uh, our granddaughter Polly, uh, my son, our son, and uh, a colleague, a friend of mine, uh, were here, and I think uh, Aaron might have been distracted. They, they might have been cutting up. Who knows? Uh, but Aaron looked up and said, how did my mom change clothes that fast? She was in a black robe, and now she's in the choir in a white robe. To which my friend said, that's not your mother. That's Holly Stoddard. That's Andy Stoddard's wife. So that's a compliment from, from me. Uh, he said, you don't even know your own mother. <laughs> um, she's not old enough to have one almost 34. Um, so, she is, he's going to get in trouble now. Uh, so, but needless to say, I am very grateful for the referral to their friend, and now my friend and stylist, Amy Bowes, and so I don't have to uh, complain to Kevin. He doesn't have to hear the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and wor I don't have to worry about those wretched haircuts from my childhood and adolescent years. So when people describe me, um, they usually mention my curly hair. A few years ago, I was uh, visiting one of my sweet parishioners in Peelahatchee when she was in the hospital, and I overheard her talking to one of her family members uh, and describing me, and she said, and said, and she's so sweet, and she has the sweetest husband, and 
He's got a good one, and she's got a head full of curly hair. You know, it just, it's who I am. So after years of fighting my curls, I finally decided to embrace them. You know, God wanted me to have brown skin and straight hair. I figured God would have made me that, that way. But except for today, and I've got a shout out to my friend and colleague, Laura Rivera, who styled my hair just for today and just for this illustration. So if someone had told you I was preaching today and you had to describe me, you might say, well, she wears glasses. Uh, she's older, middle-aged. I've got a big birthday coming up. Um, she's married. You know, she's kind of not short, not tall, medium to, and well, she's not skinny. Um, and she's got lots of really, really curly hair. But I show up today, and it's straight. And it's been funny to watch how many people have done a double take. Like, oh, we thought we had a guest speaker today. We didn't know that was you. Even my nephew yesterday, we visited him, didn't know who I was. He said, that's not Auntie Beth. You know, sometimes we think we know what someone looks like, what someone is really like, but we end up missing them because our expectations and our thoughts and our ideas aren't exactly correct. Today's text and today's lesson is a passage that is unique to Matthew's Gospel account is an apocalyptic picture of the last judgment in which the Son of Man appears and judges the nations. A cursory reading, if you just glance at it and skim right through it, uh, we could easily conclude that it is strictly a humanitarian appeal, a call to do something nice, just because it gives you nice, warm, fuzzy feelings, or maybe you get your, get a name, your name mentioned uh, in a bulletin or on a plaque. I mean, just be a good citizen. But there's so, so much more. Yes, indeed, it is Christ the King Sunday. There's so much deeper meaning in this text, and one that does have Christological implications, or in other words, reveals to us who Jesus really and truly is, the Son of Man, the King of Kings, who is God incarnate. Yes, the long-awaited King, descended from the line of David. Prior to today's lesson, Matthew records six parables of Jesus in which he warns his followers to be alert, to be prepared, to keep watch for his return. In today's passage, we see that both of the groups, the sheep and the goats, or the righteous and the unrighteous, are a bit surprised. You know, it seems that neither group recognized Jesus as they went about their daily lives, doing the things that we do in our lives. Neither of them recognized that it was Jesus. And when we dive even more deeply into this uh, juicy text, we may find a little, ourselves feeling a little unsettled, even uncomfortable, especially when we learn that this passage it's really the only good description 
with any real details of the last judgment in the New Testament. And you'll notice that in this passage, there's no mention of stated beliefs, doctrine, faith, grace, as conditions for entrance in God's eternal kingdom. Or is there? You may be thinking now, okay, preacher, wait a minute. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Just hang on. Stay with me. As I said earlier, this passage is more than a, simply a call to be nice, be a good citizen. If it's only that, then why not join Rotary or another civic group? You know, there's some nice folks I hear. I don't, I'm not a member of Rotary here, but I hear there's some nice folks. The key to this passage is who Jesus is, who Jesus always was, is, and always will be, the King of Kings, and in his purpose, his ministry and work, his life, death, and resurrection. The fact that Jesus, whose name literally means, in Hebrew, Yeshua, or Joshua, means God saves, came to usher in the kingdom of God. And uh, as was so beautifully illustrated in the children's moments, Jesus didn't come as a king like we think, like when King Charles was crowned, you know, with the big uh, crown and the big cape and all the jewels and the pomp and circumstance. But Jesus came humbly as a baby, came to be a servant rather than have a bunch of servants. And being the exact nature of God to show us in person, without a shadow of a doubt, the very love of God. And he fulfilled the law and the prophets. You know, this is a repeated theme throughout Matthew. Remember Jesus saying, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill it. You remember Jesus saying things like, you've heard it said, but I'm telling you this. That I didn't come to abolish that law. I came to fulfill it. The Ten Commandments, love of God, and love of others. And then he, somebody's trying to trip him up, and he said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you know, love God with everything about you, everything you've got, and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, Jesus said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So Jesus reveals God's steadfast love, God's mercy, God's grace, God's relentless pursuit to include the lost, the least, the scattered, oppressed, helpless, and yes, sinners like you and me into his fold. In fact, the Old Testament reading in the lectionary for today is from the prophet Ezekiel who declares, Thus saith the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I'll destroy. I will feed my sheep with justice. I don't know if you noticed Frank's beautiful Offertory, one of my favorites, the king of love, my shepherd is. Jesus, the king of king, the good shepherd. Okay, so what does all of this mean? It means for us as Christians is that if we truly confess Jesus as Lord and king of kings, we see ourselves as those who've graciously been received into God's family and out of humility and gratitude, show our love for Christ by caring for and including all, all people, including and especially the most vulnerable. 
about 16 years ago, uh, Kevin and I were working downtown. Uh, it was during the period of our careers that we got to see each other more often than we do now. Kevin travels a lot, and, uh, and I'm always here at the church, but Kevin was working for what was then Mississippi Children's Home Services, now Canopy, and I was serving as development director for Southern Christian Services for Children and Youth, so I have a deep appreciation for what you do, Jessica, and thank you for ministering to these precious, precious children. But we were eating lunch. It was the Monday after Thanksgiving, and we had just had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Y'all, family, friends, food, and yes, the fourth, football. We had stuffed ourselves with too much food. We had enjoyed our family. Maybe even our teams won that year. I can't remember uh, that far back. We had circled up around the table on Thanksgiving, as many families do, given thanks, even probably verbalized what we were grateful for, stuffed ourselves, went home, went to sleep. Monday morning rolls around. And y'all, it was a Monday. I do remember that. And Kevin and I ran out to grab lunch at Backyard Burgers across the street from UMC. And we were grumbling and fussing. Like I said, it had been a Monday. And we were talking about Christmas. Oh, woe is us. You know, the budget's lean this year. What are we going to do? Woe is us. Not feeling so grateful at all. When suddenly we hear a voice saying, Dr. Faisal, Dr. Faisal, or maybe it was Dr. Faisal. You get called that a lot. I didn't recognize the voice, but Kevin looked, and he recognized the gentleman, and it was Robert. Robert, turns out, was one of Kevin's patients, and I'm using a different name, of course, one of his patients at Mississippi State Hospital when we worked out there at the very beginning of our careers. Kevin motioned for Robert to come and join us, and we learned that Robert had been released from the hospital, and Robert was living in a shelter. Robert didn't seem to have much of a care in the world. Robert was doing odd jobs, and he told us proudly about them. And then we offered Robert to some lunch, which he first declined. And I insisted. He said, no, you know, I don't like hamburgers much anyway. I said, oh, well, they've got really good chicken sandwiches from what I hear. Would you like one? And finally, he said, well, okay, reluctantly. I said, well, what would you like to drink? We'll, we'll get a combo. And I said, and I think they've got shakes too. What kind of shakes do you like? Yeah, he was a little on the lean side, and, you know, it's every southern mama's job to fatten you up a little bit. So I went and got his food. He and Kevin stayed and talked. When I made it back to our table, and we were sitting outside, it was a pretty day, I sat it down in front of him. He thanked me and thanked Kevin. Before Robert even unwrapped his sandwich, he folded his hands, and he lifted his eyes to heaven. He had a smile that would light up the darkest day. And he thanked God for his meal. Y'all have heard many a fine Thanksgiving sermon and sermons on gratitude. And here in this pulpit, from Andy, from Brian, but y'all, that one got me. 
I've never forgotten that. Confess to you that Kevin and I had not blessed our food that day, had not asked God to bless it, had not thanked him for our meal, that we could go freely and get fast food. But this gentleman stopped. I saw Jesus that day, and he preached one fine sermon. I can't say that I do it every time, but every time I do go out to eat, I think about him. I ask God to bless him wherever he is, whether he is still on this side or whether he is in God's eternal presence, where his heart is full and his belly is full and he is fully healed. And even at home, Kevin and I will stop and say thank you. Lord, for it's a sandwich, grilled cheese, and tomato soup. It doesn't really get much better than that. Whatever. And we remember Robert. So my friends, as we put away our Thanksgiving decorations, and we enter this glorious, oh, this wonderful, blessed season, but often too hectic, where we can get frazzled, Advent season, and we go about our daily lives, will we recognize Jesus when we see him? Y'all, will we see Jesus in the faces of our neighbors who put out really obnoxious Christmas decorations? Or those neighbors who uh, don't have any decorations up yet and probably won't get their act together until the week before Christmas, if they're lucky, like me, Will we see Jesus in our in-laws? Will we see Jesus in our co-workers? The Salvation Army bell ringers? The homeless? Restaurant servers? Will we see Jesus in the faces and the voices of those cranky customer service representatives? Will we see Jesus in each other? And how will we respond? And on the last day, how will our King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, respond to us? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, Lord Jesus, thank you that even though you've always been and always will be God, You didn't think it was robbery to be equal, and you humbled yourself. You were born as a baby, and you lived among us, and you showed us the love of God. Lord Jesus, may we respond today as your people with love and compassion for the least of these, our brothers and sisters, and humble service and gratitude for you, who are our greatest gift. And we ask this in your name. And for your sake, believing. Amen.